So we make our finances available to you at any time. This is obviously just going to be a summary. If you want the full details of everything, you can ask Lauren and she can email you the PDF or print it out for you. Uh, this was a record-setting year in so many ways, and we are thankful for each and every one of you, okay? So this is what I want. If we can, uh, Lauren, I know you're multitasking, but at some point, I would like all of our door monitors, all of the nursery workers, everyone except Stephanie translating in Spanish even the sound booth folks, to come out and grab a seat because I want to take a picture of you at the beginning of the year and I want to pray for you as I have my devotional times. Is that okay? So just, we don't have to do it all right now because I know there needs to be some transitions, but the sooner the better. If you can do it now, that'd be awesome, but I know you're doing things. You can just leave this up. I'll buy us plenty of time before we get into the report. One of the things that you notice about me, if you follow me on social media, is that I keep an eye out for uh, broken mindsets in the body of Christ, and I try to help build them up. Now, what's sad about those who are usually broken is they want to stay broken. And if you were following me this week, you saw that I interacted with a pastor and his wife over some issues they felt in the ministry and how they were just so sad at being a pastor at different times and how hard it was for them getting their kids to come to church and how they felt judged all the time and nobody knows what it's like to be them. If you have a chance to read that, I want you just every time they make a statement, flip it around upside down, give it the opposite, and that's exactly what I believe, okay? I love being a pastor. I love you. And it doesn't matter how much you mess with me, how many sheep bites I have. It doesn't matter how many of you leave or come and all of that. I love doing this. My wife and I started this in our house as a home Bible study, and look at the house now. And uh, first service, you guys are awesome. We love you. And it's all glory to God. It's all glory to God. Every one of you is so precious to my wife and I. That doesn't mean we don't fight sometimes. That doesn't mean we don't disagree sometimes. I fight with myself. Do you ever argue with yourself? I argue with myself. I get upset with myself. Joe, why'd you do that? Oh, I don't believe that anymore. I used to believe that. I fight with my wife. And my wife's my best friend. Come on, you know we're going to fight. We're going to disagree. We're going to get heated at times. It's okay to go through life with us and be real. But what I want you to know is that we're family at the end of the day. And so we don't hate you, and I hope you don't hate me. We want the best for you. You want the best for me. And uh, the, just so many amazing things have happened this year that we would not have the time to put it all in a report. So I want to make sure that every life group, please, life group leaders, if you haven't done so already, make sure you take time in your life groups to ask the testimonies or to hear the feedback of what God has done. And if you want me to know about something that's important to you and you really want it to get to my desk and you, you want to do something different and you want it to change how we do Metro Praise, send it to Lauren Sienski at mpichurch.org. Half kidding. You can go to info at mpichurch.org. But I know there's always room for improvement. 
the idea isn't that we are perfect as a church in all we do, but we are perfect in Christ, learning to be perfect in all that we do. Have I bought enough time for the children's workers to come? Is everyone out of the back? Door guys, you guys can now grab your seats. Let's give it up for everyone who helps. Nursery, greeters. Let's fill in some of these front rows if we can with some of the children. If there's any others coming from out of here, we got a front row just so I can see your pretty faces, your handsome faces. I want to take a picture. It's going to be a panoramic picture, so that means you guys got to hold still as it comes through, okay? I'm waiting for Lauren. We got Adam. How many are glad you're in church today? Amen. Can I just tell you I'm so proud of every one of you. I really am. I really am. Okay. Okay, we're still waiting. Okay, I'll buy us some more time. Here's an amazing testimony for myself. And ladies, we got seats right here in the front for you, right here. want to fill some of these empty rows. We got everybody once they come in, including you then, John. I appreciate it. And uh, if we have to lock that door for security purposes while we do this for five seconds, I'm totally okay with that. They can wait. Amen? You come to church an hour late, you can wait for us to open the door for you. Okay? We got to take a picture of the family that actually came here on time or at least early enough to do this. My wife and I, we're... Where we started the church, and we never did it for the money, but you know you need money to live. And so there was, at the very beginning of the church, a salary that was set for my wife and I. At the very beginning, very beginning, $65,000 for, for me, $50,000 for my wife, total of $115,000 to make sure that we would always be taken care of. This last year, 2019, was the first year after many, many years of pastoring that my wife and I could receive the full salary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I'm taking anyone out to lunch who wants it today because now you know what I make, okay? Pastor, you make a lot of money. You owe me some lunch, man. Hey, we love you. We love you, and thank you for all of that. We, we are, are so grateful, and we never, wanna, never wanted to complain in the past, but we're patiently believing that it was worth our sacrifice along the way, not to take those salaries or as high as it could be, to let the church have some room to breathe, to have some space. And now after all these years, wait till you see the access, the extra that we have this year, as well as my wife and I being paid, and that is a testimony that God always has more than enough. Amen? Okay, we all ready for this? All right, here it comes. 2019 is over. This is the 2020 congregation that I will be praying for when I think of the first service this year, lifting up your needs with your family. Can somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. You guys may go back to doing what you do, those who have things to do. All right, let's get started with this report. Want to give you the averages for the year and our three main things that we do. We have Sunday service, we have discipleship, and then we have life groups. So kind of think of it as connect, mentor, and send, going out into the world, how we impact people. All right, guys, let's go. Let's get up the averages for us here, please. Uh, and then you can just click on it. There you go. Next time, start on the top slide. There you go. So you can click on all of them. Yep. And then click on it. Thank you. 212 average in both services. 171 disciples. 280 in life groups. Isn't that amazing? So 
Over 80% of the church is into discipleship, 101, 201. If you haven't started doing that, please do that. And if you're new today, welcome to church. This is a great church to be a part of. And then the life groups, obviously more than the, the Sundays because there's so many opportunities for you to bring your friends and family. The Spanish life group is like about ready to blow up, man. It's got like over 30 people right now. They're going to start another one, I believe, this year. So we got the translation headsets for them. And so let's keep bringing them to church as well and inviting our friends, uh, the King's kids, setting records like averaging over 90 on Wednesdays. Let's give it up for King's kids. All of the life groups, we started two new ones. We started the Brook and the Cornerstone and Logan and Gathering and Legacy. I mean, just so many are going well right now. We're so happy for all the youth life groups, three youth life groups, elevate. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, let's go to the next slide here. We uh, got some ministry highlights. We have a Bible college in the church, graduated one, enrolled eight, ordained four deacons, baptized 34 people, 163 disciples intended the Boricua outreach, and we recorded a worship album at the end of the year and took a trip to the Philippines. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, these, these notes... These notes are found on the Facebook page as well as me sharing it, and they're on the app and website, and you can look at all of our years as well when you go back to the website. You can just put in reports and look at it. Next slide, please. The income for 2019 was $369,501.90. Praise God. That was up over 65,000, 25% from last year. You see, as you have increased, the church has increased. We didn't shake you down this year. We didn't hold you up at the door and force you to give. We didn't tell anybody to start giving 11% tithe. All we did was grow this year. And so if you were a tither in 2018, and then in 2019, nothing changed in your life in the sense of tithing. But as more of us tithe, we increased. But I also believe that as you were tithing, God God was blessing. And so many of you probably can look back at 2018 to 19 and see you increased. And so what? The tithe increased. Amen. And my dad used to do financial planning. And uh, oftentimes these men were retiring with their families and their businesses. And he said, when they were custom to always giving their tithe, when they started cashing out their businesses, some of them owned multiple restaurants or multiple gas stations or you know, Dairy Queens, whatever. And as they sold them and got their 2.5 million or whatever, they would always say, Jim, you know what we do first? We cut the tithe. You see, when you're used to tithing off $10 as a, as a child or as a young adult, $100 as you get older, $1,000, $10,000, whatever you get, you start to tithe off. It doesn't matter if you make a million dollars. God always gets the tithe. And I love it when you see those Christian artists or Christian sports stars, you know, and they ask them, what are you going to do with this money? They say, I'm going to tithe. Amen. I love that. Okay, so let's see some of the ways that uh, the money was raised in our offerings, which is a big part of our church here. Buildings offerings were around 9,800. Missions offering 12,800. And then we gave 27,000 away to the community. So we gave more than that we received. How many believe that's a good way to live? Amen. 
So our mission money, if you go back to the mission money, the mission money, if you, if you go back, please, the mission money, 12000 is used for both here and abroad. But like you can see there, with our, gen, with our access and you being generous, we had more to be generous with. Please, next slide. When we think about what's left right now, we got $2,824 in the missions account. So it's tucked away, always there for something that might be special to do. The building fund is just cleared every month. Sometime this year, we're going to do a new building fund. Our plan is to remove the stadium seating. I know it was cool for a season, but it's hard to have tables and meetings in here when we have a large group because you put tables up there and somebody's chair falls off and it's weird. And by the way, it's always made me nervous watching people step up here on those stairs because there's not handrails. So we're going to clear this out and get new carpet. And this is going to bless my life because I'm such a clean freak. We're going to have carpet that comes in tiles because it's so expensive. We've never been able afford it and now we finally can and you see these carpets right here that that get caught up by the the vacuum cleaner in these sections that has bothered me so many years and so now we can have like what they have in the mall like sections so if it's a problem you just remove the section can i hear an amen to that so the building fund is clear but we're going to raise the money to do that and also uh, do some other things this year and the general fund has forty thousand dollars for a total of forty three thousand four and forty one dollars and thirty four cents and savings. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now just hold the slide right there, please, because many of you might think, man, well, we got a lot of money in savings. Let's just make it rain, Pastor. Let's make it rain. I need some help in my house payment. I need this. I need that. We're not even close to done yet with our savings. As a church, we want to be wise as a business, and that is have three months of operating budget. Each month, it's around $25,000. So we want to have at least $75,000 in safe money so that if this landlord ever goes sideways or an economic crash comes like it did during the recession, we have enough money to get through that and be safe. Can I hear an amen? So God has been faithful. Let's continue to increase. And we encourage that for everybody. Not only have an emergency fund that you can pull out of at any time, but have your backup fund, two types of savings. The emergency fund, if there's a flat tire or an expense you're not ready for, keep a couple thousand in there, and then keep three months of your operating budget for your family tucked away. You never mess with it just in case something goes bad, you lose a job or those kinds of things. Let's go to the next slide. Here we see now our goals. 200 disciples, we only need 28 more. We, we grew this year in discipleship, 15 life groups. We only need three more. We grew in that as well. 300 in average attendance. We only need 88 more. We're growing there as well. And 75,000. Let's add another 35K this year. If you believe it, say amen. And let's put 50 of these up as he goes to the next slide because 100,000 disciples with 50 churches, let's give the Catholics a run for their money. Because if you look at the goal of 100,000, 50 churches, 500 around the world. What does that mean? Each church on average should be right around 2,000 people. There's a school there. There's, a, there's an opportunity for a community center. There's all of these wonderful things. If the Catholics can do it, build a school with their church and then have all of these properties, why can't we put 50 of these? Let's, let's make the YMCA really about Young Men's Christian Association. Let's put real Christian you know, centers up here. Let's have real Christian schools. Let's have real Christian community. And so we're building the first one here, and we're going to believe to multiply that across the country and not only here but around the world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for what you did in 2019. 
You were faithful to us individually, and you were faithful to us corporately. I pray now, Lord, that you will increase us, make us more fruitful this upcoming year. We will be content with all that you have done and where we're at now, but Lord, we'll also seek you for more, believing that it's your good pleasure to prosper us. So I pray for everyone's family. I pray for everyone's jobs, Lord. I pray for whatever transitions people may be going through right now or sacrifices they may be making. Lord, I pray that they'll see that it's going to be worth it and that you're faithful. And I bless these wonderful people. I bless their families as they bless my family in this wonderful thing that you've done here. May we work together now for the years to come. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. One more time, let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, I'm excited about 2020. Let's get into the sermon. Let's get into the sermon. Today I want to talk to you to, about the weight and the suddenly. Somebody say the way and the suddenly. When we go to the scriptures, we generally see two time periods in the Bible. There is the waiting time period and there is the suddenly period. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. I am excited to share this with you as you start a new year that you do it with God, understanding how God operates. If you're always waiting for a suddenly, you may not see it when you want to. You might be disappointed. If you're only getting comfortable in the waiting, you may not be ready for a suddenly. You need to learn how to do both, how to wait and be content and do that which God has asked you to do and yet anticipate that there's going to be a moment of breakthrough, a sudden change to your situation, and you're going to ride that wave. You're going to ride that blessing to the next level. Let's see it right here in Scripture. It's beautifully said in Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus has raised from the dead and is about to ascend to heaven. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Somebody say, don't leave. Don't leave. Wait. Come on, somebody needs to hear that word today. Don't leave Metro Praise. Wait until God does what he, does, he wants to do in your life right here. Don't leave that marriage. Wait until something new happens. Young people, don't leave your house. Wait until God blesses you through your family. Don't leave that job. Wait until it's time. We have to understand there are places we don't leave. We have to wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And specifically, this context is about now Jesus sending the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So think about it like this. The Father's always been in heaven. Jesus used to walk with us spiritually, but because of our sin, now he walked with us physically so he could die, rise again, but he is going to ascend and go back to the Father. What he's going to do now is send the person of the Holy Spirit to be with all of us and to live inside of us, not just prophets, not just special people, but all the people of God who are born again of the Spirit will have an intimate relationship with the Spirit, and they will be in communication and power and in, in, in a relationship with God. And so he says, don't leave. I'm going up to the Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now let's watch when the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2, they were waiting, but now it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That is about 40 days after, excuse me, in the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus was with them 40 days, so now 40 days have passed. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, so 50 minus 40 is 10 days. They had to wait 10 days. Are you listening? So 10 days after he said to wait, and this was a literal wait. This was don't leave where you're at. So just, I mean, just stay put. And they were together, not going anywhere for 10 whole days. And so the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost, which means 50, when that day came, now watch, verse 2, say that word with me, suddenly, what happened? Suddenly, thank you, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can I hear an amen for Pentecostal power? That's why we're known as Pentecostals. The Baptists are known because they baptized. We're known because we speak in tongues. Amen. I'm a Bapticostal as well, by the way. I believe in the baptism of water and of fire. But that's why we have a nickname known as Pentecostals, because we relate to the day of Pentecost, giving us the person of the Holy Spirit, and then empowering us to speak in tongues to do the work of the gospel. So the idea, just to tie it in its context before we launch from here to application, is that the Bible is teaching us Jesus did not want to leave us powerless without a relationship with God. So he sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills them and they spoke in tongues. That was the evidence that they had this power so they wouldn't wonder like, do I have it or do I not? The tongues was an evidence and God is still doing that today. So we encourage you, if you have not accepted Christ, to accept Christ, be born again. And if you are born again, to accept the Holy Spirit's baptism of power. Now notice it's not for salvation. We do not believe here you have to have this experience to be saved. If you notice in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, there's no mention of salvation. He doesn't say to the disciples, stay here. When the Holy Spirit comes, then you'll get saved. Go back up to the first portion of Scripture, please. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with the promise of the Holy Spirit baptizing us for power. And let's just go to the Scripture so everybody can see the context. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 9. When you see, or Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when you see it, you'll understand it and never unsee it. The Holy Spirit is not to save us in this context because when Jesus raised from the dead, at the end of the book of John, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had already been regenerated by the Spirit, but now it says it's going to come, or he rather is going to come, the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea because you will receive power. Somebody say power. Thank you. So receiving power is the second work of the Holy Spirit. Going back to the notes, please. When we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, that's to regenerate us, make us new. John talked about it, uh, quoting Jesus in John 3, verse 3. He says, you have to be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was like, oh, I don't understand that. What does that mean? And Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. 
But spirit gives birth to spirit. So being born of the spirit is what it means to be saved, to ask Christ to come into your heart and the Holy Spirit makes you new. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which comes after salvation, is for power. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So once again, Acts chapter 1 and 2, with the disciples and the Holy Spirit, nothing to do with salvation. That had to do with their empowerment. So can I encourage you, get saved and get empowered by the Holy Spirit. But now notice the time frame here. There's a wait and then there's a suddenly. Somebody say wait Wait. and a suddenly. As he scrolls down in the notes, look at some of the people's lives of the Bible that live through this exact same seasonal change. You look at Abraham. He waited 10 years for God to suddenly give him a son. Amen. God kept his promise, but he had to wait. But then suddenly, Isaac came. Joseph waited 22 years from the time he had his first dream to the time where the gratitude of his family is shown by them coming and bowing before him. He had to wait 22 years for the suddenly to show up. See, as the old timers used to say, God's never late. He's never early, but he's always on time. Amen. You know that. Moses waited 40 years for God to suddenly appear in the burning bush. You know, Moses tried to take the plan of God into his own hands. He killed an Egyptian. God says, hold up. I'm going to kill a lot more, but you got to do it my way, son. I'm going to kill a lot more, but you got to do it my way. So after he killed in the wrong way, God exiled him to the backside of a desert. And year after year after year, he's just taking care of the goats and the sheep and the animal. But all, animals, but then all of a sudden, God shows up suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. He appears in the burning bush. David waited 15 years from the time he was anointed as king as a young man till finally when he got the throne suddenly in Israel. 15 years. You see, this is why we don't want to move out of God's plan. So often we get discouraged by what's not happening, and we don't see what God is doing behind the scenes. If any one of these people would have quit, they would not have received the blessing. If Abraham, Joseph, Moses, or David would have quit, they wouldn't have seen what God had in store for them. And lastly, the nation of Israel waited 400 years to see a sudden child be born to a virgin. Suddenly, Mary was pregnant. Suddenly, Jesus came into the world. And during the time of Daniel, they knew the clock, 400 years, was ticking down. It had to happen. Daniel's 70 weeks, study about that. The time period of Jesus coming to this earth was detailed to the very year. Let me ask you a question. What are the things that God has told you to wait for? Maybe write them down on your notes or bring them to your memory right now. But if you have a relationship with God as I do, you know there are things he has told you to wait for. Now, I want you to think about the things that he told you to wait for in the past, and they suddenly came. See, get those two things in your mind. And now remember, everything you're waiting for will come suddenly one day. We cannot be discouraged in the wait because then we, meet, we miss the suddenly. And so in the Bible, there are not overnight successes. In the Bible, it's always a slow growth to success. Now, can we give inheritances to our children? We can, and we can help their success maybe go at a different pace than ours. But then they're going to have different challenges than we did, and they're going to have to wait for the patience and understanding of how to handle that success. Otherwise, you see spoiled children, right? Because they receive too much too fast. 
So we can look at our lives and see that there are things we're still waiting for and there's things that we already have that we suddenly received. So we have to learn the lessons of both, the waiting and the suddenly. Let's go to some lessons on the waiting. Number one, when we're waiting, we have to remember God is still with us. Somebody say, God is still with me. Amen. Thank you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, talking about their enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When we are waiting, we have to be worshipers. We have to say, God, you're still good, even though I don't see what I'm hoping for yet. God, why? Why is he still good? Because God is still loving us, and that's more important than the thing we're asking for. It's like, do you want his hand or do you want his heart? Do you want what his hand gives or do you want what his heart gives? Now, the good answer is I want both, but what's more important? You see, if God's with me and I don't have my, my pay raise yet, God is still good and life is still good. You see, if God is with me and I don't have everything that I want in life, it's still a good life because why? God is still with me. He's still with you. And so he doesn't want us to be lumps on the log and just say, well, I've got God. I guess I don't need anything else, including a bath, so I'm going to stink, and I'm not going to wash my clothes. I'm not going to do anything else in life. No, God does want you to pursue his promises. Somebody say, pursue God's promises. God does want us to pursue his promises, but he wants us to do it with him along the way, trusting him for his time. Because, listen, good things done at the wrong time still will equal bad things. I know we think this is so good. It's so good. How could this go wrong? But if it's at the wrong time, it will turn bad. You might have somebody in your life you're supposed to be dating. That's good. That's right. But if you enter into that relationship at the wrong time, it can mess it up. You might have to leave that job at some time. That, that is right. That is true. But if you leave now or the wrong way, you're going to mess up the transition. Good things at wrong times still equal bad things. The right thing at the right time equals the right thing. And so remember, God is with you. Number two, keep moving. Just because we're waiting doesn't mean we're like, come on, God, you know, tapping our foot in our watch, whatever. Like, come on, God, you know, you got to speed it up here. No, the Bible says we're doing things. It's just that we're not running ahead to do the next thing until he completes this thing. It's not like while they were in the upper room in Pentecost, uh, waiting for Pentecost, that they weren't doing anything. They were praying. They were teaching. They were, they were uh, encouraging each other. They were replacing Judas, the Bible says. So they were doing things, but they were not doing things God had not commanded. They were staying within the realm of God's perfect will. Look at what Isaiah 40, 30 says. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. And I've been a young man once, believe it or not. I used to be a young man. Yes, I know young people, it's hard to believe. But I didn't always have gray hair. And I got tired even. And you guys know you got tired. Some of you young people wanted to stay up with your parents all late. And you fell asleep before your parents did. Now other kids, you could stay up all night. I know some of my kids can. But even if we kept you up two nights, eventually you're going to fall asleep like some of you are right now in this service. Well, guess what? Even young people get tired. Even those who have it all together get tired. But they that wait, they that serve, they that worship, all those words kind of mean the same thing with that Hebrew context there. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Does anybody remember the never-ending story when that guy mounted up on that big thing? Or any other fantasy you can think of where they mount up on a big bird or in uh, Lord of the Rings? You're going to mount up on the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So you should not be getting tired, discouraged during your waiting time. That may be natural for the world, but it's not natural for you. The temptation is real. I'm not denying that. But we have to rise above the temptation on the wings of the Holy Spirit, the wings of the eagle of God that he gives us to get above the mundane pressures and the worries. When God said, thou shalt not worry or uh, don't worry, he wasn't giving us a suggestion. It's a command. So those of you who think, well, it's okay, I can worry a little bit, God understands. No, he doesn't want you to worry at all. Even if everything's going wrong and we don't see how he's going to fix it, we still should not worry. Worry doesn't uh, give us any extra power. It actually depletes our power. Mount up on the wings of the Lord. Next thing is celebrate other people's victories. In this church, it's an amazing uh, microcosm of life. And you uh, will notice in this church, because there's enough people, there's 100 plus in every service, you'll notice that somebody's always going through something. There were people in 2019 that lost their loved ones, dear people in their lives, fathers, mothers, spouses, children. People lost people in 2019, but also in 2019, people had their babies. And, and it feels weird at times coming to a church like this or sitting on, on the couch with your friends at the life group because you may literally look at your one friend and go, man, I'm so sorry about your loss and what you're going through. I, I can't even understand how that would feel. Can I pray for you? And then you'll literally just look to the other guy. Man, how excited are you about your new baby and your new job? And you just got married. Boy, isn't that so exciting? Because the Bible actually teaches us rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We're not being fake at all. You're, you're being in the moment with each person. I'm mourning with you for your loss, but I also have a brother here or a sister here that I do want to rejoice with too. And so we have to learn how to do this in life and not hate, but celebrate, and then look at every person's blessing as an, as an opportunity to say, whoop, my God did it again. Whoop, there it is. If my God's blessing you, that means the blessing train is coming. My blessing must be in the next caboose or the next caboose. Come on, the blessing train's coming, y'all. And not get hateful and be like, well, you must have you know, skipped corners or did this. You know, I'm, I'm going to assume the best about people as they're being blessed, especially in this ministry. Uh, lastly, uh, here the Bible teaches us that we should trust, trust our God that everything is working for our good. I know like you, it doesn't feel like it's for our good. That job, that relationship, this stress that we're in. I mean, when my wife and I were not making but maybe 40,000 between the both of us having multiple kids, I didn't have anything in the way of retirement, no way to even know how I was going to help my kids to go to college, you know, all of these kinds of things you're supposed to be thinking about. And yet we keep having more and more and more. And I just had to trust that God was doing something so that through the midst of my trials and my tests, I might get a testimony. Are you listening? You see, I, I had to allow God the time to do what he wanted to do. And now I can look back on those things and go, wow, God taught me so much when I lived on Lawndale and Potomac. 
Do y'all know where Lawndale and Potomac is? <laughs> That's the hood. I lived in the hood, and it was not good. I was riding with somebody one time. They bricked his vehicle, thought he was an opposing gang. Another time I was coming home, the police threw me out the car, searched me. They sold drugs in front of our house, and our uh, apartment literally was right on the sidewalk, so you could knock on my window from right here. They stood right in front of our window selling drugs. The car got stolen twice, and now you're wondering why this white boy moved to the suburbs. <laughs> I had to go to my people, y'all. I couldn't afford to be with my people in a Wicker or Logan. I had to go way out there, but <laughs> I was scared. That's why. That's why. Why did he move to the suburbs? Because he was scared. Yeah, he was scared. I bought a gun. And then I was scared what I was going to do with that gun. And I just said, boy, we'd just be safer out here. And I couldn't afford, like I said, I couldn't afford to move to Wicker and put a fence this high around my house. So look what the Bible says, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, in all seriousness, you might say, well, Joe, you should stick it out in the city. Well, you're not my God, thankfully. I listen to my God. You stick it out where you're supposed to stick it out. I, I felt like I did what he told me to do. I prayed about where to go, and he gave me a, he gave me a release to do what I, I had to do. And God's going to speak to you through your situations. That's why the Bible literally says, who are you to judge another person's servant? If it's not a biblical issue, if someone's not cheating on their wife, stealing, sinning, like the Bible says in Galatians 5, if it's not a sin, we are not to judge how the plan and purposes of people's lives are going. Now, if you want to date somebody that's not saved, that's a sin. The Bible says don't do that. Okay, so we're going to help you to get through that. But we're not to judge the one that you picked that is a Christian. We can give you advice, but this is not the kind of church that I've heard about in other churches where, you know, you got to ask the pastor for their blessing, and then they have to go back and pray over it. No, we're not here to do that. As long as you're saved and they're saved, go for it. Just don't sin against each other, amen? And the same thing with jobs. I've heard of weird things in church. People got to pray with their pastor about whether or not to switch a job or to move. We trust you to hear from God, okay? So I'm not going to judge your walk with God beyond the help of Scripture. I'm not going to be nosy and meddly and don't do that for others and let us trust that God's going to work out his good purpose in our lives, amen? All right, now there's lessons in the suddenly. Because a lot of times people say, oh, I'm going to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. What you going to do when you win the lottery? You might go broke in two years if you're not ready. You might as well at least come up with a plan all the times you're losing. You know, just this time, just think of a plan or something because it's going to be a long time if it ever happens. So at least come up with an idea. Well, I would invest it like this. I will do like this. I mean, how many sports stars, musicians become bankrupt? It's like the new thing. You see it on Facebook. Ten stars who are now bankrupt that you grew up with when they were rich, you know. Why? Because they weren't ready for success. They weren't ready for the suddenly. There is a test that you can have in the suddenly, if you're not ready for it, that will, that will knock you out the game. But God wants to prepare you for suddenly, so while you're there, you can stay there. See, as this church grows, I don't want to blow it. Now that we have this amount of people and the finances and all the ministries, I don't want to do something stupid now that God's given us a suddenly 200, then the next suddenly 300, right? And we look back and go, wow, look at how many people have come to this church. I don't want to mess it up. And don't mess up your blessings, amen? Because if you don't handle your blessings God's way, they become curses. 
If you let your children be what's in charge of your life, they'll become a curse to your family because they'll keep you out of church, out of the things of God, and your children will have you going to every sports thing, everything, affirming LGBTQ because they they got friends that are that way, and they're thinking about See, your children could become a curse to your mindset. Not like they themselves are a curse. You get my point. But they can mess up your, your mindset if you don't keep God's blessings in check. Have all your blessings line up to the will of God. So number one, when you're suddenly comes, when you're standing in that burning bush moment, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you start speaking in tongues, when that pay raise comes, when you buy your first house or, or you get your first car, you know, when this happens, remain humble. Remain humble. Stay humble. I've watched so many people get successful and then fall right afterwards. I mean, I got elders nodding their head. Just look at the experience of life, and you'll know what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, it's known in the world as like you have your come-up chick with the dudes. The dude has the come-up chick like Steve Hardy. Steve Harvey had this wife that he came up with, but when he got where he needed to be, he dumped her, went for somebody 20 years younger. Are you guys tracking with me? And I've seen that happen on smaller levels all the time. People come up a little bit, and then they lose their grounding. They lose the good people around them, and now they try to do something else because they came up a little bit. No, bring people up with you. Stay with those people. Remain humble. It doesn't matter to me if you become a billionaire. I'm still your pastor. I can teach you something. Amen. It's, you know, it's not like this year. If you make a lot of money, you're going to come in here and be like, I won't tell you something. No, that doesn't change anything. Remain humble. And if you're married or you have family, just because you, you make a lot of money or have a lot of success or got a great podcast or you go on TV or become a movie star or you become the CEO of your company or a doctor in your, in your field, et cetera, you don't now get to look down on everybody and treat everybody like garbage or treat the church like it's unimportant. No, remain humble. The Bible says all of you. Somebody say all of you. Nudge your neighbor and say, that's, that's you. That's you, that's me. Come on, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because watch this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God puts out his hand and says, I oppose you when you're proud. Number two, remain in Christ. Somebody say remain in Christ. Thank you. Look at John chapter 15, Jesus speaking. What has been the subject of many books by great, great Christians over the years. As a matter of fact, Dick Brogdon, one of my personal heroes, missionary to the 1040 window, based out of Egypt, helping missionaries go underground into the Middle East to preach the gospel. And trust me, they're rejoicing over what's going on right now. Obama sent money and Trump sent a missile. Come on, somebody. Welcome to a new error terrorist. Okay, whether you like him or not, he did something right this weekend. Okay, thank you very much. Take him out, Jesus. And these Christians are there. Iran has a large Christian community. One of my professors was a a leader in the underground church in Iran. Well, Dick Brogdon wrote an entire book about watching Christians' lives and his own experience and how everything comes back to abiding in Christ. Listen to these words and see if they get some depth into your soul this morning. Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Somebody say, remain in Jesus. 
Remain in me and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The abiding principle, remaining in Christ, cannot be overstated today. I've done an entire series on this. Go back and listen to it. And let us all be reminded that we are nothing more than a branch plugged into the vine of Jesus. If we disconnect from Jesus, we will wither up and die. Success cannot sustain the soul. People around you cannot sustain the soul. All the accolades, all of your accomplishments cannot sustain your soul. Only Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is he says, no matter how fruitful you get, he'll still prune you to be more fruitful. My dad is starting a church in Ocala. Uh, Jose and Christina were preaching there yesterday. We also have folks that have left our church that are in that area that are a part of that. The Vitalis, Chris and Vanessa. And my, my dad is drawing people in around his age. He's 70 years old. So he has people in, his, the people in their 50s and their 60s, you know. And he's always encouraging them. We're not here just to die. We're here to continue to multiply. We're not just it's going to retire. We're going to refire. And so now you have these senior saints who are doing more for Jesus than they've ever done. Let's not burn out. Let's burn up for Jesus. Amen. Let's get another one up here. We need to help others in their waiting. You see, now that we are where we've been dreaming about being, we need to go and help others. I know it sounds funny when a pastor talks about having a dream of a boat because you think all I should dream about is having an orphanage, and that's true, we help orphanages, but I've always had a dream of having a boat. And so a few years back, my wife and I, uh, really me with my wife not being happy with me, took our tax money and bought a boat, and you guys went on it one time, and after that, it broke. I only drove it for maybe a month and a half, and it broke. And I lost all my money on that. I felt so embarrassed. I felt so ashamed. Here's a father starting off with his family. The little bit of money we get back from Uncle Sam, because at least we do one thing right. We have a lot of kids. And, you know, I think at that time we had two or three. And here comes back this money. And I'm just like, all right, let's go get a $4,000 boat. And that boat broke down. And all of that time I've been thinking, I got to get back on the water. So I would go out with my acquaintances. Some of them are my friends, but mostly acquaintances. And they would charge me, literally, just to do the sport wakeboarding, they would charge me $10 to get up, hold the rope, do it one time. If I went out and did it again, another $10. I would have to pay $20, $30, $40, $50. And we know gas doesn't cost that much to do it. So they weren't really doing me any favors. And, and then when I was on there, they weren't really helping me a lot. And then there's so many other things you can do with the boat. Let me just tell you some of the things you could do with the boat. You could go down the river, downtown with the boat. You can watch the air, the air and water show with the boat. You can have food on the boat. I love boats, okay? But you remember what I told you at the beginning here, that I had to wait till this past year to receive a full salary. And so for the first time, with a little help of a side gig, I could save up money, put down on a new boat, and you know the first thing, I don't say this to boast, but anything but in God, the first thing I thought to myself is, I can't wait to take a bunch of my hente who are afraid of water, many of you have never even been on a boat, and put you out there and have some fun. That was my first thing to think about, is I want to take my friends on this boat. You see, when you are blessed in the kingdom of God, you're blessed to be a blessing. 
And so we should never look down on those who don't have what we have. We should share what we have with them. You have a car, share a ride with somebody. You have some extra food, share a meal. You have some extra clothes, share those clothes. You have a boat, take them on a boat ride. If you have a nice house, invite people over for a life group. The Bible says carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We should give what we have and enjoy the journey, enjoy the success with others. I don't want to be by myself somewhere on a boat trying to escape. I want to be with my friends. When you take those vacations, when you receive the reward of your labor, share those moments with people you love and help the people around you. Amen? Because there's nothing like being encouraged that way. And some of my friends outside of state had boats. And when I would go and visit them, it was like a dream come true. One of them was in Louisiana, and we'd go fishing. And guess what I caught by accident? An alligator. That's a memory I'll keep the rest of my life. Catching an alligator by accident because he wanted my bait. See, but my friend had to take me out on his boat. Last one. Everybody say last thing. But most important. Always give the glory to God. Adam, would you come, please? In Psalm 9, 1 through 2, when we are successful, we should be just like the one who scores the touchdown and goes and takes a knee. You may not be able to do that on your job, or when you get that promotion, it might look weird if all of a sudden, like, you're at your cubicle and you just go, thank you, Jesus. Next, that sale was awesome, or whatever, you know. It might be weird for you to do that, but you can do it at home. To go, to go to your bed and kneel down or wherever you pray and go, God, I will give you thanks, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. See, we give God back the glory. Because really, what are we? We're God's trophies. God is showing us off to this world when he does it suddenly. When God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, what was he doing? He was showing the Jews, my Messiah is in heaven with me. Y'all couldn't keep him down. Now the kingdom of God is coming. Come get you some. What was God showing Moses? He's going to go rescue the Jews. He's going to get them out of bondage. What was he showing Abraham? I'm going to start a nation. You see, it's always about God's bigger plan. It's going to impact and help others. But in the meantime, as we as the vessels, we can't take the glory for ourselves. we got to give the glory to God. We're, we're not the one that's worthy of it, but he's so good he still gives it to us because of how much he loves us. My kids are not worthy of having a car at 16. But if they do the right things, I'm going to give them that out of my generosity. That's one of my goals. You and I cannot look at all of these blessings like we earned it. Like I always say this to successful people who want to say, you know, I I did this, Joe, and I did this, and I pulled myself up and all that. I'm a self-made man. What what do I always tell them? You're a self-made mess. Anything good you've ever done or I have ever done has come right back from God. That air you're breathing, where'd that come from? The mind you're using, all the strength you did to pull yourself up. We get it, we understand, and we should applaud hard work. But the idea is you never gave enough effort to deserve what you have. You did a lot, I get it, I did a lot this year and past years. We've done a lot, but we never did one thing to deserve even having a molecule. An atom, a particle, a brain cell. We didn't do anything to deserve those. 
And so we always got to come back and go, gracias, Senor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I, I am honored that you blessed me. I'm humbled and I'm grateful. Let's look at the closing today as we get ready to roll out and start a new year with Jesus. What things in your life are you waiting for for God to suddenly move in? The ones that you've already received, I want you to remain disciplined in and to be grateful. But the ones that you're still waiting for, I want you to hold on to those promises and not give up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. As the altar workers and band come, let's just pray while we're seated and we'll stand in a moment. Lord, we thank you that you brought us through another year and you did so many things in our life. Yet there are still so many things we are waiting for. First and foremost, we want to thank you, God, for the suddenlies we've already seen, whether they came last year or in years prior. We thank you. Just thank him for the suddenlies, the things you've already seen come to pass. Suddenly you met that girl or man of your dreams. Suddenly you had your first baby. Suddenly you started a career. Suddenly, suddenly. Come on, thank you. We thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, we want to wait and be patient for the next season. Who are waiting for things right now? If you're in this room today and you're waiting for things, but you're going to trust God in the process, would you just stand up with me? Raise up your hands and say, I'll be here waiting for you, Jesus. Jesus, you can trust me with whatever you've given me. I'm not leaving. I'm not quitting. Come on, somebody tell the Lord today, I'm all yours, Jesus. If you need prayer as we're getting ready to dismiss, you can start to make your way up to these prayer workers who would love to pray for you. If not, we're going to end by singing, then dismiss. But you're more than welcome to come even now because we want to give you prayer partners. We want to give you brothers and sisters who will wait with you, encourage you. You're not going through this alone. Come on, sing it out. And I'll be. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I will be waiting for you. I'll be like Moses and wait in the desert for my burning bush experience. I will be here. I'll wait for you, God, to do something special in my job, in my family. I'm not just going to give up and quit because it doesn't feel right. I'm going to wait for your time. Waiting, waiting. Come on, we're going to worship in the waiting. We're going to serve in the waiting. We're going to remain faithful in the waiting. Few more moments. Few more moments. God cares about you. If God cares about how I live, how I spend money, make money, God cares that much just about you, your dreams, your goals, your families. a good prayer to have this year. I'm going to be waiting. I'm going to be waiting. Those up here keep praying, but I just want to pray over us a few more moments. Lord, help us to be patient. Let us not get discouraged. Let us trust that you care. You care. You care about our families. You care about our hobbies. 
You care about the things that are important to us. You care. Give us strength, God. Give us strength. Remember some of these scriptures as you get ready to go today. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Or that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things are working for your good. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. few more moments. few more moments as we get ready to transition. Lord, I thank you for every person here, every life here. Those who want to come up, you can still have time. We'll worship after this. But, Lord, I pray as we get ready to dismiss and take on this year, we do it with your grace, with your strength, with your power. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Can you bless them? God bless you. Thank you for making the first service of the year awesome. You're dismissed. We'll see you at Life Groups.